Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, Ravensfly, we had some technical difficulties, but you know what? The show always goes on, and the show is on here. Believe in Ravens podcast with Kyrie Thompson and Daniel Wilcox. We're shoot, man. I'm excited. Just had a preseason game last night, Kyrie. I'm excited to see this thing, man. Let's do it. We got we got real football to talk about. I mean, look, real football. Exactly. This this is this is where we thrive. This is where we're gonna make the money. This is this is where this is where we're gonna shine. We're over here talking in the pregame, you know, the, the pregame of the show about how you're a star. Actually, you look for real though, you are a star. Like you're over here making like set pieces for Usher down in Atlanta. <laughs> like this, this is a man of many talents right here. I don't think y'all understand how how wild this is. Also, the orange Ravens cat that you got on right now is yeah. cold. Okay. Yeah. You you came ready to play today. This this is the red one. This is the red hot one right here, right? So, you know, you wear this one after you get a, a nice little victory. You drop the red on there. The only person gets usually to wear red in, in Baltimore is the quarterbacks, you know. So this is me representing the QBs. They played well last night. Um super happy for those guys, man. Um Snoop went out there and did his thing. I was really happy to see Snoop play well. You know, that's interesting. So we could we could definitely get into that kind of right off the bat. So first of all, I mean, Baltimore Ravens are the, like the greatest preseason team of all time. That's now 24 straight preseason wins. 24. I, I mean, with how random things are in the preseason and the kind of players you're usually playing at the end of preseason games, the fact that they've actually won this many games in a row is pretty wild. Like, okay, it's we all know this isn't real football, quote unquote. Like it's not going in the box score. It's not helping you make the playoffs at the end of the year, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, how much do coaches, you know, harp on that, right? Like it's like, yeah, we're out here trying to work, you know, we're, we're trying to work on our fundamentals, but we do want to get this win. Like in preseason, how much mm -hmm. did that matter to your coaches? It mattered a lot, man. You know, um, I had I had Billick and Harbaugh. I had both of those guys as my head coaches and my position coaches were Wade Harmon the entire time I was in Baltimore. Yeah. But, you know, it 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 was extremely important. This is the opportunity to kind of show everything that they've taught you, um, that it actually comes into fruition in in a live situation, in a live game reenactment situation. And um, yeah, it doesn't really count towards the season, but it definitely counts for every single player that steps on that field that night. This is the first game time situation that they get a chance to be live in where they're actually keeping score. There's fans in the stadium. The televisions is out there. The cameras are out there. People are mic'd up. I mean, it's a full out game for all the guys that actually step foot on that field, man. And they want to put their best efforts forward. So they go out there to do their best week in and week out, man. And um, it was just good to see the Ravens play the way they always have and and you know Justin Tucker in 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 rare form as usual, like you know sixty yard field goal right off the rip of the start of the season, man. I mean it just it was a phenomenal it was a phenomenal game to see. Um, it was a great start. I'm excited about the new offense. I love the fact that we're in a spread now, and and I think it spreads guys out and it keeps guys on their toes and on their heels a little bit, and they can't just pin their ears back and come back and get the Baltimore Ravens, man. So um, it's gonna I think it's gonna be a very exciting season this year. I'm I'm excited about it, but every single coach looks at these preseason games as a chance to evaluate the talent that they already went and recruited and that they put together on their team for the offseason. And this is their first look to see these guys, these guys in live competition to see exactly what they're going to do with no whistle being blown when they get to the quarterback, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, okay, first of all, I don't even understand Justin Tucker. Like, I, I mean, I've been watching him for years and I saw him in person last year hit what the easiest 57 yard field goal I've ever seen. Like the, the moment it left his foot and it, it just looked like somebody shot it out of a cannon. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like th this guy is different. And, and how are you going to sit up there? And, and okay, I get it, it's preseason, but still, how are you just going to sit up there and just casually nail a 60 yarder? Like, like it could it's right down the middle too. Like it, it feels like a lot of, a lot of times, <laughs> You know, it, it, it's either just barely getting there or maybe it just snuck in the upright because it's 60 yards, right? Like, this is right. not an easy kick to make. And he's just like, actually, nah, like, I'm just going to split the uprights and it would have been good from like 65. Like, I just, I don't, he doesn't make sense to me. Like, I just, you don't usually get excited over like kicker highlights, but 
Justin Tucker is 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 a whole different beast because you realize you're watching one of the all-time arguably the all-time great when when it comes to kicking. So let let's so thank you for for starting us off with that because I'm always down for some Justin Tucker talk. But let's let's talk about this offense, okay? Cuz cuz you you're talking about the importance of guys just getting out there and really making winning plays, right? I think that's the thing, right? You want to get out there. You want to put winning plays on film. Some guys did that. Some mm-hmm. guys had some losing plays. <clears throat> and, and we'll get into that a little bit. But you talked about the quarterbacks playing well. And you and I had an interesting little exchange watching the game because we're texting each other back and forth while the game is happening. And, you know, I, I was surprised to see Tyler Huntley in the game at all when he didn't start. I, I would have thought right. to myself, that's your pretty clear number two quarterback, especially when you look at him and Josh Johnson, because Josh Johnson is 37 years old. I mean, he's been on, you know, half the teams in the league and he's got a lot of experience, but I think yes. Tyler Hundley's a good player. And so I was surprised to see him, first of all, not start. I mean, when he didn't start, I just figured Josh Johnson's going to play the whole game. And then he's playing in the to start the second half. I didn't really get that. And then on top of that, he, he comes up lane with the hammy, he stays in the game, throws a touchdown pass. So it didn't look like it was too serious where he had to come out, but it's still not something you want to see. But you you had you had a comment about not liking Josh Johnson, even as potentially the number three quarterback. I'm curious to why that is. Um, I guess I'm just not a fan of Josh Johnson at this moment right now. Like I, you know, when you see a guy that's like that's bounced around the league as much as he has, it's a reason why a guy bounces around that much. It's it's, it's like the girlfriend that nobody wants, you know. So it's oh, like boy. I look at it, I always look at it like relationships. I think this whole thing is relationships. There's something that's not quite right with Josh Johnson for him to play on, uh, you know, 230 teams, you know. So I mean, it's a reason that stuff happens, man. You know, and, and I just feel I feel like I felt like. You know, Snoop, you know, Huntley shouldn't even played at all last night. You know, I just felt like he's earned that, you know. But, I mean, I feel like he's a starter on this team. Yeah, Lamar Jackson is the number one, but Huntley is the, definitely the number two. He's locked in at number two. Unless somebody comes and knocks him and dethrones him, you know, I, I don't think Josh Johnson is the guy that could do that with a guy as progressive as Tyler Huntley has been for the Baltimore Ravens and has played as well as he's played for the Baltimore. I mean, the guy went to the Pro Bowl last year as a backup. I mean, that says something. You know, um, backup quarterbacks don't usually end up in the Pro Bowl, you know, so that's just how good Huntley is to me. And I just I love his mindset. You know, he take the less money to stay in Baltimore to be the Raven. And he could have went to another team or something this offseason and decided to stay in Baltimore. And I was that same guy. You know, you fall in love with the city of Baltimore, the fans, the atmosphere, the, the, the stadium, the arena. You know, the energy is, is just at all times high in, in the city of Baltimore. So it makes you want to be there. And, um, you know, just uh, I'm just the, the Josh Johnson thing. I, I, I like it. I like it that he had an opportunity to go play the game. And I'm never trying to take money out of anybody's pocket or anything like that. But I just I don't know. I don't see him just being our the, the backup that comes in and leads us to another three or four or five wins when we need him. And, and I think that's the thing, right, with the quarterback room as it is right now, where you got. Lamar, Tyler Huntley, Josh Johnson, Anthony Brown. I think Anthony Brown, obviously, like he he leaves a lot to be desired. He's got a lot of room to grow in the game. We saw that at at the end. That's fine. I think that when it comes to Josh Johnson, I I think the reasons, because I mean, there are any number of reasons to to me, right, why, why a guy might bounce around the league. For him, I think it's just that he's not necessarily that good, but it seems like he's a guy that people want to keep on bringing in to be part of their locker rooms. And so I could look at that as being, I could be okay with him being like your designated QB3, but the plan is for him to never touch the field. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Like he could be, he could be part of your quarterback room as like the mentor guy who helps you chart the plays or like he's in your ear. He helps you with et cetera, et cetera. But like if Lamar and Tyler Huntley get hurt, you sign a guy, you sign another guy to to have him come in and start. And Josh Johnson can then be his backup or his QB three. And then you're, and then you're getting to a point where you're only playing Josh Johnson. If like literally everyone gets hurt. Like I'm talking like well, 
four guys get hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe that's what it is for me. Like it's it's, it's not that I don't think he's a bad player at all. Let, let me make sure I put that out there, you know, right away, loud and clear. All right, everybody, y'all hear me right. I don't think Josh Johnson is a bad player at all. You don't last in this league as long as he have and not and, and be a bad player. You know, so that's not that's not what I'm saying. I just don't see him as a Ravens quarterback to me, you know, I just, I, I don't, that's just my opinion or whatever. And I, I don't, I think I'm trying to say it the right way, or maybe I'm trying to say it the politically correct way or something. I, I don't you. know. You know, I, I'm not sure. I just, all I know is I just feel in my heart, like he's just not, he's not a, he's not a, a Raven QB. And, um, and not at this moment, you know, the late the Ravens have became so electrifying on, on offense. And it's hard to find other guys like Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley, you know, but I think they need to go out and look for another guy similar to that, or or another guy. And and if, if it's a now if it's a, a leadership thing, which I've seen, you know, I've seen quite a bit. My first year, my first couple of years in the league, um, when I was in um when I was in the New York Jets, they had Jason Fabini. He was definitely an older guy that had great leadership and stuff. And, and then when I got to Tampa, there was a Lomas Brown down there, and Lomas was the OG offensive lineman that you know yeah. that didn't play that much. And then in Baltimore. You know, at the end of J.O.'s career, you know, the Ravens offered him a bunch of money to try to just get him to be like the player's coach on the field, that same type situation, because his leadership, you know, he's just such an intelligent guy, smart guy, and his knowledge is is beyond measurable. And so you wanted to try to keep him around. And J.O.'s like, nah, man, I'm, I'm good. You know, but I you know I know the, I know that feeling to have that older head that kind of hangs around and stays around the locker room because his knowledge is and his and his his aura is just so perfect you know a perfect fit and just keeps the chemistry of the locker room a certain way because the guy's going to react a certain way around them so if it's one of those things then you got you can't do that but take your hat off and respect that and respect the Baltimore Ravens for signing Josh Johnson because he's uh he would be a very important staple to that all to that to that locker room man and, and to that team man it's it's very important to have your chemistry right if you want to go win something big yeah and and I think it's interesting you mentioned that about John Ogden because the other thing about that is, and, and I mean, I'm sure you could speak to this, when you play with great players, mm-hmm. there's this idea that they want to play, some 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 guys want to play until they got nothing left to give, their body's falling apart, you know, whatever. But some, the, the, the all-time greats, like sometimes mm-hmm. you see this where it's like, when they realize they're not at that level where they could play at the high level they're accustomed to, they're like, I don't want to play no more. You know, it's right. like, yeah, I've got a lot of knowledge to give the game, but I don't want to just be taken up a uniform. I want to be me. And so I think that's like an, an interesting point with with Ogden because yeah. he's a Hall of Famer, right? He's he's a, he's an all time great player. And it, it it's curious because and I don't want to segue too much out of this. I, w- I want to stay on point a little but I heard people around here talking about Tom Brady and like expressing disappointment that he did retire last year. And it looks like it's for good this time when he can clearly still play the game. But again, it's like, for him, is it worth it? You know what I mean? Like, is it worth it for him to keep on taking the punishment? Does he feel like his performance has fallen off? Like, yeah, he could still play probably top half of the league quarterback, top 10 quarterback. If he, if you put the right situation around him at, you know, what age 46, he could still do that, mm-hmm. but is he going to go out and win a super bowl? And if he, if he doesn't feel like he can win a super bowl, then does he want to continue to do it? And I feel like that it's always so interesting to try and put yourself in the mind frame of, of a truly great player you know, or, or somebody who's truly great at something because they go past the limit of like, oh, I'm just going to keep on doing this because it's fun. And it's like, no, I'm, I want to do it because I'm the best, because I'm great. And at some point, you know, just kind of being around for, for the sake of being around isn't, isn't enough. But you look at a guy like Josh Johnson or even somebody like Josh McCown, who is another dude who bounced around the league. And now, and now he's finally kind of, you know, settling into retirement and all that. But Josh right. McCown was somebody that also played on like half the teams in the league. And he could come in and give you a spark here and there. He's a good athlete. And he can make a kind of a wow play. But he also just like wasn't that good consistently where, you know, you wanted him to start for you. So right. you bounce around, you bounce around, you provide all this knowledge and all this experience. But you're doing it because, hey, this is fun. You know, being a backup quarterback and, and you know, being able to, you know, make money 
just like while more or less holding the clipboard, that's not a bad gig. It's one of the best gigs out there. Of course, yeah, when you... it sucks, Kyrie. It sucks. Nobody <laughs> wants right. to be that guy. I mean, if you got to be that guy, you got to be that guy until your yeah. turn comes. But nobody voluntarily wants to be no. the guy to hold the clipboards. We want to get out there and play. Exactly. Um, and yeah. and like in in the Brady in the Brady situation, man. Like, and I can't I can't say this enough, man. Like his 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 situation was such a unique situation. And to me, his situation shows and demonstrates exactly how important your support system is. You know, his wife was fed up. She was like, all right, I'm tired of you playing football. All right, just let's, let's go. It's, it's, it's our turn now. You've played long enough. You've won enough Super Bowls. You've done enough in your career. She made the decision for him. And, all right, let's, let's go. Let's go. It's time for you to come home. I've sacrificed my whole career. I've been here with the kids. I'm tired. I want you to be here with me and with us moving forward. And she basically topped out and gave up on him. And it wasn't like she gave up on him, but I mean, cause he did retire and they was good, but then it was more of a teaser, you know, for her. And I think that broke her. I think it was like the, the, the little scroll that broke the camel's back, you know, type thing where he retired and then went back and started playing again. And she got frustrated and she divorced him. She left him. And when she left you, when you leave, your wife leaves you and she takes the kids and you come home to that empty house with no noise and no noise. And you don't hear those kids running around and jumping on you and, and treating you the, the same way, regardless whether or not you win or lose, you know, that's 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 a hard thing to let sink in. And I think as it started to sink in through that last season in Tampa, mentally he just kind of fell apart. Physically, he still could do it, but mentally he just fell apart. You know, he would still be playing this year if he had if his support system was strong and everything was right. And I think that's why Ray played so long, because Ray body just was different, man. He held up for such a long period of time. And I remember that last season where he hurt his elbow, and um, and that that really, really, really bothered him. I think he tore his triceps, triceps, or yeah, he tore like his that. triceps, yeah, yeah, yeah. That really, that injury really, really bothered him, man. And um, it it makes you feel vulnerable. It makes you feel like, all right, God trying to tell me something, and you you know you hear you hear things that start to sink into the back of your head. But he's one of those few guys that could retire and say, I love every single ounce of me on the field. You know, he's one of the few guys that can say that. And I think that's the blessing in in having that moment, you know, that moment of of greatness like he did where he goes yeah. out with another Super Bowl and, you know, he gets a chance to do the squirrel dance one more time. And uh, I I think he went out like like a gladiator shoot, man. I really do. And I'm I'm super proud. I was super proud to play five years with Ray and super happy to see him retire and go out the way that he did. You know, um, the Baltimore, this Baltimore experience for me was probably the one of the most magical experiences of my life. Yeah. And I know it will be for a lot more players, you know, a lot more players to come. And you know what, man, I think this, this is this is why I love, you know, doing this show with you, because it's like, I think in the end, right, I I have my thoughts on what that takes you know, or, or like, like the, the mental process that, that it must feel like. But again, this, that's just me trying to put myself in somebody's shoes without being in the process. You know what, you know right. what I mean? And like, you, maybe you think about what would I do in that situation, but I haven't been in that situation and, and people re everybody reacts in a different way. But I think it's really interesting that, that you said what you said about Brady, because I think there are a lot of people that I feel like the answer was so clear in terms of just feeling like, man, is it worth it for me to keep doing this with everything falling apart around me? And like, I've missed so much of my kids' lives. And, you know, basically like I gave up my marriage for it, um, you know, but then, but all people could think about is, yeah, but if he sticks around and, and hits free agency, he could just go join the 49ers and win a Super Bowl with them. Why isn't he doing that? Right. And it's like, at that point, you're not, you're, th you're thinking purely of what would I do in the situation and not like what this guy wants to do or what's best for him. And I think that that's the, that can be the really tough thing when you're somebody, you're a fan, you know, or you're somebody on the outside and it's hard for you sometimes to think about the fact that in the end, like professional athletes are just people like you. Right. Absolutely. And they yeah. get ground down sometimes at their job like you do or or just like think like things happen that that, you know, change their lives just like you. But so much of it, you know, becomes the entertainment aspect. The fact that we could sit up there, and watch a whole preseason football game where, again, it's not 
like like th these aren't even the, the the top line starters, right? Like you didn't have like really anybody on the starting offensive line. You didn't have Lamar Jackson. You had a bunch of young players on defense, but you watch it for the entertainment value because you're ride or die, you know, Ravens, 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 or whatever your favorite team is. And and I think like, you know, you 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 sit back and you realize like those guys out there are fighting for a job. And some right. of those guys, and and a good portion of them are not going to have a job at at the end of this. And so it's like you always got to maintain that level of understanding and context because I I feel like as I've started to think more about the fact, like, damn, like that that one mistake could cost a guy his job. Like you texted me, and yeah. and. You know, at the time when it happened, the James Prochet fumbling on that punt return, like he might have just got cut by doing that. And mm -hmm. I watched Bayless Jones Jr. yesterday with the Chicago Bears letting punts bounce on the ground, didn't <clears> heal <throat> them cleanly, and right. he muffs it. And you're thinking to yourself, like, that he might have just cut himself by by doing that. And, you know, a guy getting beat for, for a touchdown as a cornerback or – um, the the holding penalty that wipes out Keaton Mitchell's uh uh you know touchdown run at the end of the game like man like like did that guy just get cut for doing that? Right. Well, I, I look at I look at this thing like everyday life. So football for me in preseason is you have a bunch of new guys come into your organization, and they're basically this is this you know preseason is basically an internship. And nobody looks at it like it's an internship, but it's really just an internship. So if I was working at a, at a law firm and then every year they brought in 15 new new guys on an internship, right? And then through that internship, you're looking to hire, let's say, seven of those 15 guys. You're not going to hire everybody. Everybody can't stay. But you're looking for, you know, seven new, fresh, young faces to come in with great energy and super smart, you know, with Harvard you know, graduating, you know, degrees and stuff like that. And they're sharp and they help out. All these guys are helping out the other lawyers and all that stuff with it during their internship. And then you do something that detrimental to the firm, you know, like you didn't study the way you were supposed to study and learn it the way you were supposed to learn it. And then you make a mistake that makes, that makes the lawyer lose a case or something like that. Yeah. And, and then you end up losing like these major opportunities or clients and stuff throughout your, throughout your state or your internship. Internship only lasts one month. And at the end of that, at the end of that internship, you're going to, you're going to offer seven guys a job, you know? So when you, when you don't get the job, you just go home. You didn't necessarily get fired. You just go home. You yeah. know, internship is over, you know, but those seven guys that did a phenomenal job that didn't make any mistakes and was on top of everything and studied like crazy and helped their lawyer out and helped out the team enough so that they was able to win every case that they was a part of. And they showed so much promise and so much potential that you're like, oh, my God, we got seven new fresh young lawyers that are going to come in and kill it here. And that's what the preseason is for football, man. It's like you, all these guys, the guys that you keep are the guys that, that, that do phenomenal, that don't make any mistakes, that just find a way, no matter what the situation is, to do great and to put in the work. And you keep those guys. Those guys become a part of your firm. They become a part of your, part of your new law firm, and, and they go on and help make you tons and tons and tons of money. It's a business. It's a job. It's a career. And it's a great career if you're on that program, if you're on that team, and if you're on that field, you know, and you're doing things the right way. But if you're not doing things the right way, you, you just don't you just won't last long. You cost the firm too much money and they're going to let you go. And then particularly if you're the new guys coming in, it's like, great, you made it past the first round. You got the job or whatever. But your spot's not guaranteed because you're still your your name's not on the you know, on the wall outside and you're not partner. Yeah. So you got to yeah. keep on working to make partner and, and, and get that extra billing because if you mess up, you're still the, the last one in. So you could be the first one out if you yeah. do make that mistake. Now I do let, I want to talk about a couple of, of, of the things like the good things that, that we saw. And then a little bit of the, the critiques that we got, we, we talked about the James Prochet fumble and I saw people kind of ragging on like Brandon Stevens for, for giving up a touchdown later in the game, though. I will say, I also saw Stevens coming up with some good special teams play. So it's yeah, like, they're, they're kind of things where it's like, okay, you know, some, some, eh, but also some good. And the thing is 
the the special teams play is where Stevens is going to matter, right? Because you're not necessarily going to have him playing out there on an island at cornerback a whole lot. You want to see right. him running down and tackling and kick coverage. But you talked about we were talking a little about about Keaton Mitchell, and from the moment he took that opening kickoff, uh, well for 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 the Ravens for the Ravens first possession because they got right. the ball second. I'm like, oh yeah, that dude's got some juice, and I feel like again. Touchdown got called back because of a holding penalty late in the game, but I feel like he showed some some great stuff yesterday. I feel like that might be one of your your internship hires from this process. How you feeling? I feel the same way. I mean, I, I think he had a great game. He got to consistently keep that up for the next three weeks, man. But he, he had a phenomenal start of his NFL career, and you know his dad Anthony Mitchell was a, a ex Raven as well. Played for a long time. Um, in this league, and um, he's a, he's an Atlanta guy too. He's just down here coaching track and stuff, and I'm sure he helped Keaton out with his speed a little bit as well. But um, you know, to see Keaton come out and just ball out like that, man, I was super super happy about it. And you know, the funny thing, Kyrie, you know, I I, I talked to Steve Steve Bashotti about a month ago, and I just picked up my phone, text him, and he hit me back, and we were talking and stuff. He said, "Man, it's funny you text me." Um, I was just thinking about you the other day. You know, we just signed Keaton Mitchell, you know, Anthony Mitchell's son. And, I, and when, I, when I know Anthony's an Atlanta guy, and I know you're an Atlanta guy too, and you crossed my mind. And I was like, oh, man, I, I appreciate hearing that, Steve. And uh, Mr. B, is to me, is one of the, the coolest, the, the coolest, freshest, just amazing, most just first-class owners in the NFL. And I just – and just to be able to pick up my phone 10 years, 13 years after retirement and just shoot him a text when I haven't really – shot him a text, you know, in a while. And he still got my number locked in, stored in, know exactly who I am, having conversations with me and actually invited me to come sit up in his booth for one of the games this season, me and the boys. So I'm going to take the boys up there to a Ravens game and hopefully we'll get a chance to go sit with Mr. B and watch a game with him. The last time I sat with him up in his booth, I was hurt and I was on crutches and I tore my foot up back in 2007. And, um, you know, I sit up there, I sit up there a couple of times, you know, at home games and just kind of hung out with him and, had real, 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 real life conversations with him. And he's one of the best owners in the NFL, if not the best owner in the NFL. He's definitely the best in my book, hands down. So now that I know you got this guy on speed dial, it's like, we want to have to get him on Believe in Ravens. Man, that's what I'm talking about. We're going to have to. If you're out here watching Believe in the Ravens Network, um, the Believe in the Ravens podcast, we definitely want to get you on the show. And um, I'll do everything I can to try to make sure that happens throughout this season for sure. I mean, that would be outstanding. But I think just just to to get back to the story at hand, I love that. First of all, I mean, we we already we talked about Ravens ownership. I think on the last episode we had and or one of the last episodes we had and just about how they are for like a first class organization. And the fact that, you know, still kind of remembering you and thinking about you and that local connection. I love to hear that. And in particular with, with Keaton Mitchell, when I when I saw him, I believe he was coming out of East Carolina. Um, and they 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 got them fast backs down there, bro. Chris Johnson coming up out of there and stuff mm-hmm. too, man. Ooh. But I but I, I remember watching him in the pre-draft process and thinking, you know what? I know he's he's small. Um, he you know, people got questions about can he handle blitz pickup, can he handle all the hits? But I'm just like, but watching this man run with the football is just it's just joy. It's so fun. And you saw it on you saw it on on the kickoff. I feel like he was so decisive on the returns, just hitting the creases, getting north and south, and and putting his foot in the ground. And you saw it on the touchdown run. I mean, getting getting the edge on yet yeah, he got the edge on a run right before that where he had, he got a good game. And then the next time it looked like he was going to take the edge again and he cuts it back inside on a dime. And I'm telling you, if it was a split second later, that, that cut, or he was, or, or, or his, his cut had been just a little bit slower. He gets jumped from behind and he gets stopped for like a two yard game. But because he was so quick, he, he jukes the dude out of his shoes in front of him and makes the guy miss coming in behind him. And then from there, it's if he, if he gets the edge and you don't have the angle, that's it. That That's it. I I refer to that as when you got a guy that can run like that when they get the edge and they've got that long speed, you're like, well, start lining up for the extra point. It's like, it's like once, once he gets in the open, just go ahead and, and set the ball on the 17 and we're good to go. You don't have to keep chasing him. Like we're, we're, we're cool. You know what I mean? I Absolutely. love guys like that. 
Absolutely, man. I, I think I've seen him and Justice Hill both have like one of those those little league type runs where they kind of bounce up in there, kind of get stuffed a little bit. Nothing, nothing's going, and they change direction, change you know field size of the field, and runs around the corner and just outruns everybody, man. They both had one of those runs in this game, and uh, he's definitely one of those guys that's going to be explosive in this league when he gets his opportunity to shine. And you just hope he's a, a four down back where he gets a chance to just run. I mean, this new offense that the Ravens have, I think is going to really help the running backs out a lot, you know, because they're most of the guys they have back there can really, really, really run. And the zone, the thing I like most about the zone offense is no matter if you're doing inside zone or outside zone, there's always a cutback lane because everybody moves the same direction. Everybody's right. step is the exact same. And it really just, if you got a D lineman that runs real fast, he'll run himself out of the play. You got a D lineman that's slow. And then he'll he'll slow down and open the hole up even more as, as the play stretches out. And you could just run stretch right or stretch left, and these guys can just run, run, run to the edge and then put their foot in the ground and, and find a seam. And next thing you know, they're running 60, 70 yards. So I think this really will help out, you know, these guys an awful lot, man. And uh, I'm excited to see what Keaton Mitchell does this year, you know, with the Baltimore Ravens. I think he'll make this squad, and I think he'll be a, a, a permanent fixture for a couple of years, for for years to come. And it's interesting because it all depends on how people like to structure their rosters. And you can look at the depth chart right now and see that Keaton Mitchell's like he's, you know, RB5, you know, or what what have you. Um, You know, with Melvin Gordon potentially being RB4, you know, what what have you. But teams keep five running backs. Patriots have, have actually done that a decent amount. You know, even even since I've been there, they'll keep five running backs and and particularly with the Ravens, because they've had so many injury issues with their backs. I would not be surprised to see them keep five just just to have the bodies. And then, of course, you already know that one thing that Keaton Mitchell and this this is going to matter to John Harbaugh. I'm sure one thing Keaton Mitchell does is he plays special teams, right? You're not going to be asking Melvin Gordon to play special teams. You know what I mean? But Keaton Mitchell does provide that value and particularly for for a rookie you know, for a young player you've got to be able to do that in order to make a roster mm-hmm. and i think that says something good for for his chances and and again I, you, you always wonder right when, when you talk about if a guy doesn't make the team would he make the practice squad and i think if keaton mitchell keeps on doing stuff like what he was doing in preseason week one I don't know. I don't know that he wouldn't make the practice squad because somebody might look at him and say, you know what? I could use another running back to go run around on special teams and return my kicks. And, and so I, I think that it also mattered to me to see him out there returning kicks immediately in, right. in preseason week one, because maybe, maybe you don't do that. Maybe you had Duvernay do it because he is so good at it, you know, as, as the starting kick returner, though, again, right. Duvernay with some injury issues, maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you go ahead and let the kid do it and then let, and then give Duvernay, uh, you know, an expanded role as a receiver, by the way, he caught a touchdown pass from he Josh did. Johnson. Very So again, good throw on, on a back shoulder thing. They were talking about on the broadcast. When you see the cornerback on top, in the red zone, you throw mm-hmm. it back shoulder because they don't because they ain't got that cover. And right. you know, just just a great adjustment by him. And then Tyler Huntley had almost a mirror image on the other side of the field where he flipped it over to Taylor Wallace for a touchdown. I mean, you, you gotta like what you're seeing in in terms of those plays from the wide receiver group. But yeah, just getting back to what you're talking about with Keaton Mitchell. I, I just feel like he is going to be appointment television during the preseason. He's going to get a lot of run. He's going to get a bunch of chances to prove himself. And I hope he makes the team. I really do. I hope he does too. I and mean, he's an ECU guy. So he's already, he's used to wearing that black, purple, and gold already. So he should be really excited about putting that purple and gold and black on in Baltimore, man. I think he's a good fit for us. And you you, you hit the nail on the head. You know, he, he will be a special teams guy you know, a young guy coming into this league. And if Gordon want to make the team, he has to play special teams as well. You know, sometimes your running backs don't always have to be back deep. You know, they could play the, the you know, the up back position on punt or one of the wings on punt. And they could run down on, on punt return and cover and stuff like that and run down on kickoff and kickoff return as well. You know, so they could play other positions. But I think if Gordon's going to make this team, he's definitely going to have to play special teams too. Hey, Gus Edwards played special teams last year, you know, mm-hmm. um, Justice Hill played last year. So, I mean, all these guys, you got to play. Hardball is a special teams head coach. Uh-huh. You know, he's a special teams coach from Philly. 
that came over and got the head coaching job in Baltimore. Special teams is extremely important to him. Always has been, always will be. You know, so if you want to be a part of this Baltimore Raven team, you have to understand the importance of how special team flips the field position and puts your offense in a good position and can put your your defense in an even better position as well. So special team is is the the component, the key component that people just kind of leave out that really sets the stage for how great you know each game could possibly be and how hard it is to play this game man so um any edge that you can get you want that and i think keaton mitchell put himself in he's putting himself in a position where he could definitely be one of those running backs that could run the ball for the ravens this year as well as return kicks and return punts as well so it'll be interesting to see you know with that james pro fumble we talked about a little bit earlier you know that may knock pro out of punt return just one fumble can do it for you yeah um, and he has, you know, he still has yet to kind of show that he's the guy that I think he is, because I think Proche is a phenomenal receiver and that he could really be a really good player. I thought he was going to be a Wes Welker type in this league. And he just have yet to develop into that. You know, I don't know what, what that is or why that has been. But with this new offense, I felt like he would have showed up a lot more. And now it is just game one and the preseason is just getting started. So it's, you, you got to make your determination of what you see for game one. And then game two may change your change your opinion. You know, then game three may change your opinion again. And then game four may change your opinion again. So by the time all this thing is over with, you know, you'll be able to hopefully have a solid opinion and be able to go back about what you've seen from week one to week two to week three to week four and make some better choices on who you think has a real shot at making this team. And then on top of that, you got the preseason games and you got the practices, which is where I kind of want to jump in. I I wanted to say like one quick thing, like we were talking about the young players, because one thing that we both kind of went back and forth on a little was the, the young edge rushers. Right. And, Hmm. and I I saw a little bit from, from David Ajabo and a little bit from, from Tavius Robinson, how sometimes, you know, you, you have a good move that you you won with in one-on-ones or like a good move that you won with in college where you get inside or whatever. But in the NFL, when you're doing it against Marcus Mariota or against a quarterback that can run, you lose contain and lose discipline, lose your technique. That yeah. can hurt you at this level in a way that maybe it didn't hurt you before. And and you saw that on a couple of, couple of occasions. And so I'm curious to see how they how they respond and grow from that experience where they got burned on a couple of occasions because again it's it's one thing for it to be doing in preseason week one but you know preseason week two three like are you going to be able to to win while also maintaining the discipline that you need to maintain to make sure you're not compromising the defense that'll be interesting but one thing that that we were we were talking about yesterday you brought up all the the preseason games and whether or not you would play the veterans, because I think one thing that I initially thought was, Hey, maybe you'll see like some Lamar Jackson, like for like a series or something like that mm-hmm. in, 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 in the coming weeks. But you're just like, Nope, we don't need to see Lamar Jackson at all, which I could agree with. But then right. there's some other guys where it's like, do you see any of the, of the starters like it, 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 over the course of preseason? I think you'll probably, you might see some of them, but there's also this thing that we're that we haven't even touched on, and that's joint practices. Because right. I feel like joint practices are starting to take the place of preseason in a really meaningful way, where you realize that you haven't really had as many opportunities, like especially you lose a preseason game now. So so there's there's four instead of three. So you don't have the traditional, okay ramp up time until you get to dress rehearsal, which is preseason game three. And then preseason four, it's just everybody who's trying to earn a roster spot, go out and play. You have less time to evaluate those like roster bubble type players in game situations. And so you're seeing teams maximize that a little bit more and not play their starters as much, but instead the starters are the ones getting tons and tons of burn in joint practices in situations that are a bit more controlled where you don't necessarily get two minute. You're not guaranteed to get a two minute drill in a preseason game, but you'll definitely get one in a joint practice because that's how they've set it up. So I'm curious for you. Do you think you'll see like, you don't think you'll, we'll see Lamar Jackson at all during preseason. If it was up to me, you wouldn't see Lamar at all. I mean, 
for what you wouldn't even see Odell, you know. So I mean, I, to me, I think my, he's another one that I I, yeah. I would be curious about because he's just coming back. Why would you do that? Yeah, I mean, I, to me, it's just it don't. I went to me none of my my true starters that I already know exactly what they're gonna do for me. Like Stanley, I wouldn't play Stanley, the left tackle. You know, Morgan Moses, I wouldn't play him. Um, Linderbaum, that kid was phenomenal last season, all season long, starting center. I wouldn't play him. I wouldn't play Lamar Jackson. Um, the, the the J.K. Dobbins kid, like to me, he's just his, coming back from been, injury a little bit too. He he's been so injury prone. I, I don't know what what move I'll be ready to make with him. I know he's a dynamic guy, you know, but he's been so he's been hurt so much like the last two years that I would probably have to get him out there to get him, you know, knock some of the rest off him. You know, the same thing with Gus. We saw him a little bit last night. But Odell would not play for me at all during the preseason. Bateman definitely had to go back out there to prove himself again. You need to get him out there as much as possible um, to kind of see what your receivers are going to do. I would play Snoop like the third and fourth game. Um, I wouldn't play Lamar not, not one snap. You know, I, I don't need to see what he's going to do. I know what he's going to do. You know, so that's just me personally. But, I mean, I would – I would definitely take my time, like the rope, like the two linebackers. I wouldn't play them, Roquan Smiths and, and um, Queen. Yeah, yeah, Patrick Queen. I wouldn't play those guys either. Um, don't play Marlin. You don't need to play Marlin. Freeze. Yeah, I wouldn't play Marlin at all. I, I, I wouldn't risk losing a Pro Bowl corner in preseason. You know, a corner that no, I know is a game changer, and he going he gonna do what he's gonna do week in and week out. And then the Kyle Hamilton kid, maybe maybe the fourth game. You know, maybe the fourth game. Maybe I'll let him get in there and knock a little bit of rust off. Just get them moving in there. Maybe get the whole defense in there. Maybe the whole offense in there. One series, that fourth game, and just be done with it. And that's about it. Yeah. Well, it'd be it, yeah in, in that in that third game now. Yeah, because it's only it's only four games. Because now you got the seventeen regular season games. But yeah, like I, I, yeah. I think because again, like I'm almost thinking like, oh yeah, like we'll see it for a series or whatever. But like for example, like I, I don't know if they're gonna play Aaron Rodgers at all over with the New York Jets, like. I mean, why, why would like, you? What do you? Why do you need to do that for? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's like Aaron Rodgers. It's like, does Patrick Mahomes need to play in in preseason? No. No, he it's, wants it's, to. Yeah, exactly, because he's he's different, right? But I think for for a lot of these the, the top line quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need them to prove anything. It, it's different when you've got a guy like, for example, you have like Jordan Love, right? Like he's he's been on the bench for like four years, and now. Now he's getting a chance to play and and you need to see a little bit of how he reacts to certain game situations because yeah, he's done it in preseason a lot, but now he's the number one starter. So you want to see at least a little bit from him or like Justin Fields, who's a guy, he played two series and basically didn't do Jack. Cause you know, he just like dumped off a couple screens and his guys took him for touchdowns. He's the established starter this year, but yeah. he's it's, He's still a young player who I think has a little bit of stuff to see and do. But then, of course, they had him in nah. for two series, and they're like, "Eh, we're good. We don't need to see no more of that." I, I've seen enough of Justin Fields. Well, I'm good on him. I, I, I guess because I, you know, I'm an Atlanta guy. He's an Atlanta kid, and in high school, the kid was the most dynamic player in the, in the country. And then he goes off to oh, Georgia, and then they 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 didn't want to they didn't want to give him his flowers there because they had the other quarterback that already went to the national title before him. And then he ended up transferring to Ohio State. And then what he did in Ohio State was enough for me as well. And then what he did last year in Chicago was, yeah, yeah that's pretty much right on key what he did from high school to college all the way on. Yeah. So if he going to continue to be that guy, I'm good on him. You know, like I'm yeah. really, really, I'm really, I'm, I'm good on him. I know he has a strong arm. I know he can throw the ball. I know he can sit in the pocket. People have forgot he could run until last season. That's how crazy it is. He just sat back there and threw the ball, threw the ball, threw the ball, threw the ball from Ohio State all the way through to the league and they forgot that he was the number one dual threat quarterback in the country coming out of high school. You know, how do you forget that? I have absolutely no idea, but the kid could freaking run. And now, and now ain't nobody going to forget that at all. And the thing is like defenses are going to be living in fear of him just ripping off 70 yard runs for touchdowns. Cause he just did it a bunch of t- like, like he, he just did that, you know, just for fun last year or not for fun. It's cause he's running for his life. Cause the offensive line was terrible. Um, but I think that's, that's one thing that I'm going to be curious about as time goes on, if the bears will manage him or try to manage him in, in, in a similar way to Lamar Jackson, where it's like, okay, look, let's pick and choose your times to, to run, make sure you're taking care of yourself. Cause that's one thing that I 
I always respect about Lamar. He just mm. never takes big hits. It's it's amazing. So first of all, he'll slide down and run out of bounds. But even when he's in the open field, he's so slippery. Right. And and it's like you right. never see somebody just absolutely destroy him where you're just like, ooh, I don't want to see Lamar run anymore because that guy absolutely wasted him. It's like, no, he's just so he's so crafty. And I feel like that's that's the thing. When you get to dictate the action, I, I feel like sometimes like that's an underrated piece of this. Like, yes, in theory, it can be dangerous when you're scrambling or you're running around. Or, or even in theory, when you're a ball carrier on like a zone read or you're getting out there, right. but there's also an element of it where you are attacking the defense. You get to dictate the terms of engagement instead of being sitting back there, sitting back there, and they're bearing down on you, ready to whoop your ass, and you can't always see it. Like all of Lamar's injuries where he's been out for a long period of time have been while he's been trying to pass the ball. Right. Right. And he's trying to keep his eyes downfield or he's he's trying to save a fumbled snap or something like that. And it's like he doesn't get hurt running the ball. And so I think it's so interesting, just like as a as a side note, I know we kind of got off topic here, but when people talk about Lamar needing to stay healthy, I mean, it's true. I think that the last couple of years, if if Lamar Jackson had been healthy, that's definitely a playoff team. And it's a team that probably wins a playoff game. And so now you want to see him stay healthy for a year so why play him in preseason but it's also interesting how he's sort of changed for the people who want to pay attention to it change the conversation about what it means to be a running quarterback because i think he's he's shown that you don't just get hurt when you run the ball like it doesn't have to be that way absolutely absolutely lamar lamar to me has just to me, he's one of the most electrifying, most dynamic quarterbacks in the game. I don't think you change the way he plays ever. ever, you know. And I, I think that's the biggest issue with the NFL. They, they, they've so stuck in their ways of quarterback being pocket passers that they don't want to change that that mind frame. And to me, if the point guard position in basketball can change, so so can the quarterback position in football can change. You know, if if the point guards could come out and shoot the ball and score sixty one points you know, in the NBA and not dish off 100,000 passes and have 100,000 assists, then why can't the quarterback come out and shoot the ball and run the ball 100 times a game and, you know, not dish out, you know, 100,000 passes a, a game, you know? So I'm, I I think Lamar Jackson is such a dynamic guy. You just let the game kind of flow and just let the game just become what it becomes when he's out there. Because if you don't, you take away such an exciting part of his, his um, ability to play this game at a high level. And that ability that he has with his athleticism, his legs, you know, his core, his change of direction, his stop, his ability to stop on a dime and, and get back to top speed, you know, in the first two or three steps, you know, to me, that, those opportunities are far in between. Those players are far in between. He's a, he's a once every 10 year type generational type player. And the Ravens just happen to have him at quarterback. And I, I think you have to develop your offense to the point where it benefits him is best. And I think the last offense didn't. The last offense almost forced him to run the ball too much. And I, I don't think I don't think you have to do that with a guy like him. I think you put him back there in the spread, put him in the shotgun, let him take the ball from the from the shotgun and and just let the play develop. You know, he'll buy you some extra time or you know if you're a receiver and you know you need a little bit more time to get open, you know, he'll buy you that extra time and then and he'll put the ball and pretty much deliver it right there where it's supposed to be 99% of the time and He's uh he's to me he's an elite quarterback that doesn't get the the credit that he should get because he's so dynamic with his legs and his ability to run the ball and make people look stupid when they try to tackle him. You know, I hate that. Yeah. And you know what? I and and again, I think that with Lamar as a passer, I feel like it's on film all over the place. The fact mm-hmm. that if you put him in a spread, you know, spread spread things out, he can read it quickly. He can get the ball out of his hands. And I feel mm-hmm. like I, I think that people are going to see what he can do as a pure passer and be like, oh, wait, did we have this guy messed up? And it's like, yeah, you probably had him messed up. And one guy that we didn't even talk about, I'm just going to bring him up real quickly because he didn't do a whole much, but he showed some good stuff on film. My guy, Zay Flowers, they couldn't cover that then. They could not cover Zay at all. And I think that even though he didn't do much in terms of production, the fact that he was 
his moves at the top of his routes were so sudden that they had to hold him. They had to hold him because they they couldn't deal with him otherwise. And he stuck his face in there on one of those Justice Hill run attempts. I was like, you know what? It's the little things I feel like with him that are like, okay, we'll get to the, the, you know, pass catching, breaking out down the field stuff later. But the little things I liked what he did. Absolutely. I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I feel like he did some really good things and, and you're right. It's just the sudden movements that was causing those penalties. He'll run up on guys, step up on his toes and then he will move so twitchy and then they have no choice, but to have to grab him, you know, to try to slow him down because if they didn't, it was a, he would have had, he would have caught a corner for a touchdown. In the oh game yeah. That was, that was, that would have been. Yeah, easy. absolutely. Easy, easy catch for a touchdown for him, but it, it, he did it the way it was supposed to be done. He, he attacked the guy's technique and, he attacked his leverage and then he put his foot in the ground, made him think he was going one direction and then slipped right by him. And the guy had to grab him around his waist to, to slow him down. And, and that's what you want to see out of your, out of your first round picks. You know, you want to see those guys come and do dynamic things to, to put pressure and apply that pressure on, on the other guys. Cause pressure bust pipes, you have to do something to try to make up for your false step or your false movement. And that, that costs you a lot, you know, sometimes in this league. So, um, the, he, I think he had two or three penalties um, against other guys when he was trying to guard them, and that's what you want to see out of a top-notch receiver. Yep, and it's like, hey, we'll take the five yards or or if it's pass interference or whatever, we'll take the extra yards every single time if you want to go ahead and give them to us. Opposing teams, if you want to go ahead and grab Zay Flowers and keep the chains moving, we'll, like, we'll take it. We'll take it. All right, man, as always – That was fun. And we're going to have more football coming up next weekend to get into. Maybe not the starters. Well, I I don't know about all that, but we're going to see some more of these young guys, see what they can do, see if they can grow from the experience they had in week one. And pretty soon we're going to have some joint practices to talk about because, look, those are those are going to be. They're going to be interesting because you're going to hear things about, oh, yeah, who won the joint practices. And then depending on who it is, like sometimes like you don't see those uh, like those veterans or those starters at all, because it's like you think about the good work that they got in. So it'll be interesting to see how the Ravens perform. I think that this is this is a good team when they go up against the commanders for for joint practices. I expect the Ravens to get some work done and get busy on the commons. That's all we got for this one with Believe in Ravens. I'm Kyrie Thompson. That's Daniel Wilcox. We'll get you next time. Boom. Let's go. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.